So you're moving right along, business is growing, and you're getting a ton of clients. And then as you're getting into a groove, a moment of panic hits. Then you realize, oh shit, I'm getting a ton of clients. You know what? That happened to me. And for me, it was a big wake up call to make me see that I was being so overbearing with holding on and controlling every little piece of my business. I wasn't delegating effectively. And then as I hit my stride and I started increasing my client load, I began to crumble. And I'm going to tell you, it's no fun when you're overloaded with work and you are the main provider of the labor. Today on my podcast, I'm going to talk about when you come to that critical realization that it is time to start bringing on employees. So what do we do? Do we go to Craigslist? Do we go to Facebook? Do we sit and and grin and bear it? Do we just wait until overload strikes us where we're paralyzed by fear? We can't move and can't fulfill our client obligations? Well, let's talk about it. Welcome to another episode of Mobile Chicks Chat. I am Adrian Graham, not only your podcast host, but CEO and founder, proud CEO and founder of Mogul Chicks and the Mogul Chicks Academy. I am so happy to be back on the air. Uh, this is my third episode back in and welcome to my Pandora subscribers. So thank you for tuning in and thank you to those of you who have been patient and have stood by me all this time and have listened to me for years. I'm back. So let's get right into it. When I opened up the podcast, I talked a little bit about how I felt when I first realized that I needed to hire that was something else. Now, I don't know how many of you or if any of you are at that level yet where you're ready to hire, but let me tell you this, the first time I had to hire, it was so crazy. Mostly because you would think that as a recruiter, a former recruiter in my past life, that this would be a no-brainer, that this would be easy for me. But you know what? When you are the boss, when you are running the show and you know your business inside and out, it gets so hard to delegate. Let me tell you, one of the things that I had encountered is my stubbornness and my inability to delegate. One reason was because I felt, hey, look, I can do this. I can handle this. I know my business. I know my company. I know what I'm doing. And let me tell you, that was the wrong attitude to have. I quickly got burnt out and overwhelmed and I am not ashamed to say that I waited way too long to make my first hire. And when I finally did hire, I was so relieved. It took such a weight off of my shoulders. One of the things that I try to stress with my clients and my students alike is that it is okay to ask for help. Mostly black women, Latina women, we're strong. We're used to doing things on our own. We're used to being the ones that carry the burden. But let me tell you, when you're trying to grow and scale a company, keywords, 
grow and scale a company. Note I said that. I didn't say run a business. I said grow and scale a company. When you're trying to do that, you cannot do that on your own. And if you do it for you, on your own for a certain period of time, it is not sustainable. I am telling you, I am living proof. Now, that is not a sign of weakness. I do not want you to think that. We all get to the next level by bringing on people who are smarter than us. We get to the next level by bringing on people who can do the jobs that we either cannot do or should not be doing. I had a conversation with a friend of mine and she's probably going to kill me for bringing this up. So I won't say any names and I, I will change the situation a little bit so that maybe she won't know it's her. But hey, you know, she will. I know she's going to call me. But I had a friend invite me to an event. And this event was great and I felt it was very beneficial and it was worthwhile for, you know, the uh, average entrepreneur, I guess you can say. I'm not average, I'm anything but average and that is not patting myself on the back, maybe a little bit. But anyway, uh, she got upset because I felt that I didn't want to take it any further. And when she asked me why, I told her because as a CEO, of my company, I don't think I should be doing this stuff. Those are topics, those are things that they were talking about in this event that middle management or even a a manager or a project manager or office manager should be taking care of or someone delegated to that task. As a CEO, I have other bigger fish to fry and more important things that I needed to put my focus on. Um, One of the reasons why we get assistance in the beginning, and I'm gonna tell you, that's the first hire that a lot of people fall into and and believe me an assistant isn't always the first hire but I'll get into that later on or maybe another podcast but I explained to her that it was not in my best use of time to do that I have been an entrepreneur since 1994 when I opened my first company and I have paid my dues you know it may sound a little facetious or a little narcissistic no it really isn't there are things now that I should be paying other people to do that I don't need to do but I digress so let's get into it you finally hit that groove you've gotten all these amazing clients and you have all this work that's coming at you left and right that is every business owner's dream that is every entrepreneur's dream that they have so much work that they can barely manage it themselves and hey yippee it's time to hire but this is a very precarious time because the wrong hires can either make you go broke can make you lose your mind or can make you backtrack and lose a lot of time and traction with your business so let me start off by saying this I think that everybody should have first and foremost before they even consider hiring their first person is a workforce plan or a staffing plan. Now you may say, well, what is that? I'm going to tell you what that is. (laughs) That is a plan that you have in place that helps you outline for X amount of contracts, projects, revenue, clients, et cetera, fill in the blank that comes in. I need this amount of bodies, this amount of talent not bodies, talent that can come in and handle this work. Now, when we're flying solo or maybe a a one or two person shop, we don't think about it. We think about us as being invincible. But let me ask you this. What happens if an emergency hits and you can't work? What happens if there is some kind of crisis or disaster and you can't work? What happens if you, the person who runs the company, cannot fulfill the obligations to your clients. 
Think about that for a moment. Because we're living in a time now of COVID-19. And I hate to use real-time references because I like my content to be evergreen, but that's where we are right now in the time of COVID-19. But let's just say you get stricken by COVID-19 or something happens, God forbid, that your family member or you have to be away from your business. You don't want to shut down. And if you're at a six or seven figure level in your company, there's no reason why you should be shutting down. But you need to have people in place who can do the job, who can fulfill the obligations, who can service your clients and all that good stuff. So let's get into some of the details about why you should and shouldn't hire, when you should hire and all the good stuff. So number one, the first thing is I love that everybody who's busy has the potential or the capacity to expand and get new clients and get new staff and all that good stuff. But just because you're busy doesn't mean that you have to hire. Again, like I said before, you have to have a staffing plan in place. You have to have a workforce plan in place. Only you know what that that formula looks like. And I could help you with that, but that's a whole other topic. But that's the first and foremost. Don't let being busy be a reason for you to say, I have to hire. One of the mistakes that I find that people make is, especially service-based consultants, entrepreneurs, CEOs, they get overwhelmed, like I did, and figure, well, let me hire an assistant. If I get an assistant, that person can take all the admin stuff off of my plate and they can take the little minute things off my plate and I don't have to worry about it and I can focus on just servicing my clients. Wrong attitude. <laughs> I can't emphasize enough. Your assistant, if, if that is the first hire that you make, that is going to be detrimental because number one, you're probably going to put a lot more work on your assistant than that person needs to take on. And number two, that person is going to be kind of like the drop all, the default, the dump all, all of the unsexy, the, the, the stuff that you don't want to do is going to fall into the assistant. And I ran into that in the beginning. I'm going to be very transparent. I had an assistant who was phenomenal. To this day, I said she was phenomenal. Um, But she was doing way too much. She was doing my social media. She was doing my web work. She was doing the technical support. She was doing my customer service. She was handling uh, my email. She was doing all this extra stuff she was doing when she should have been just focusing on a few tasks at a time. So please do not make your assistant your first hire. And if you do, please be very clear about what it is that you need this person to do and relegate them to an admin role. Don't overwhelm them and don't overload them. Now, my assistant was a gem. She didn't complain. She loved the work. It was like, give me more, give me more. But that's not the point. Don't do that. That's that's inhumane. It's wrong. Second thing is don't shy away from wanting to hire because you feel like you don't have the budget. Newsflash. If you have an influx of clients coming in and you have money coming in, you have a budget. You need to sit down and decide if this person is going to be a part-time person, if this is going to be a dedicated person. Uh, You have to decide uh, uh, virtual assistant versus admin. If you're going to do it, go the admin route. You have to decide if this person is going to be a salesperson. Will this person add to your bottom line? That's what you need to figure out. Okay, and then the third thing that you need to realize is, does this person have the capability to expand or be promoted into other positions? 
So those top three things I want you to focus on before you even sit down and start worrying about writing out a staffing plan or sitting down to worry about starting your first campaign. Um, in the Mogul Chicks Hiring Mastery, some of you, some people have taken it. I don't know if you're a brand new listener, you probably haven't heard of it before, but in the Mogul Chicks Hiring Mastery, it's a four week program and I work with you to learn the ins and outs of hiring, when you should hiring, your timeline, your budget, the tools that you need, the technology, the processes, the procedures, how to automate it, all of that good stuff we handle in there and it's a four week course. But let's talk a little bit about what your process needs to be for hiring. Okay, so number one, you need to figure out what workload the person needs to take on. Again, is it a salesperson? Is it business development? Is it a marketing person? You need to figure out what this role is and then you need to standardize that work process. Whatever it is, you need to focus on building a job description around that so that they understand. Step number two, document the procedures. Now, when I was ready to hand off certain tasks, I had to sit down as simple and simplified as it sounded. I had to document out my email procedure, my client vetting procedure. I had to document my candidate procedure. I had to document my follow-up procedure. Every procedure, I would sit back and, and think about step-by-step step what it took for me to handle a task or fulfill a task or to fulfill a requirement for a client. And then I documented that procedure. The reason you document is to make sure that anybody stepping into those shoes can hit the ground running from day one. Step number three, you need to be very clear about what the must have tasks will be and the skills that go along with it. And then the nice to haves. Now, again, like I said, if you're going to hire an admin, which I do not recommend it, that's your first hire. Don't sit there and make them your personal assistant, your admin, your customer service rep, your tech support, your web de developer, your web designer, your social media strategist. You be very clear about the tasks that they need to complete. And if you see that there are overlapping tasks or tasks that could possibly be segregated to another person or another entity, then please, by all means, separate those tasks. Don't get yourself caught up in having a burnt out employee who's going to be resentful, especially if you don't have the budget, which leads me to tip number four, step number four, create a budget. Now that comes as part of the workforce planning and developing your job descriptions and the salary comps, all that stuff. Listen to me when I say this, please, please, please. There are a lot of people that have the mindset of, well, the job market is hard, so they'll accept anything that I give them. Or they'll say, well, let me see how much I can squeeze out of a person and only pay them this much because that's all I can afford. If you have not done a budget, please do not try to attempt to hire somebody and underpay them because if you underpay them and overwork them, you will have so many vacancies. They will, it'll be like a revolving door in there. Please don't do that. So tip number, number five, step number five, Figure out how many hours a week you need them to work. How many hours can it take for them to get the work done? Now, ideally, I would say start off with 10 to 15 hours in the very beginning if you're looking to hire someone part-time. If they can do more hours, let them do more hours. If this requires a full-time 40-hour work week, then that's what you hire for. 
but don't try to beat a dead horse. Don't try to, to squeeze blood out of a turnip and all those other colloquialisms. I need you to stand firm on what your budget is, how many hours you can dedicate and how long it would take for a person with, with above average skills to get the work done. The next step is you still need to have a plan in place for how you're going to onboard this person. You need to have a plan in place for how much you're going to pay this person. And you're going to need to have a plan in place for how you're going to market this position. Now in the class, in the the mastery class, I talk about candidate sourcing and I talk about job creation, job descriptions and profiling and all of that. So I'm not going to get into that right now, but Believe me when I say that this is a science, you need to be able to be very clear, crystal clear about exactly what you need. You save so much time in the hiring process by, by doing that. So the next step is figuring out what your cost of hire is going to be. I'm not going to get into the formula for that, but you need to make sure that you understand how much it's going to take for you to source and recruit a person what it's going to take in terms of manpower and hours, which ultimately leads to dollars in interviewing these people and screening them, including background screenings, and then extending the offer and then making sure that you have the budget in place to pay these people. It is not enough to just say, well, let me pay a job description board, posting board, or pay, pay for an ad and that'd be my cost. And then I'll just pay them. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to have all this stuff figured out beforehand. And I know this seems overwhelming. It really is not. The next step is you need to figure out what your hiring process is going to be. How many interviews? Will there be a phone screen? Will there be someone else that's going to sit in on interviews? Will there be another objective person that can ask questions that maybe you'll forget? You know, you as the CEO, you as the owner need to be the last stop in the interview process. This person needs to be able to be screened and properly categorized as to, you know, a yes, let's move them to the next round or no, sorry, thank you. You know, thank you for your time. You need to figure out how are you going to set up this whole interview process? The next thing is making the hire. I've seen people that go through the motions and they go through these interviews and, oh, you know, I met a lot of great people, but you know what? I'm not ready to hire just yet. Stop that. Don't do that. And if that's where you are right now, shame on you. Stop that. <laughs> yes, I'm admonishing you. Make that higher. Don't make these people come out and interview with you or now Zoom interview with you and you decide you're not going to pull the trigger. I've seen so many people do that. They get cold feet and figure, you know what? I can do the work myself. I don't really need to hire anybody right now. Hire those people. Hire that person. The next thing is planning for onboarding the people. What is the first day going to look like? What is the first week going to look like? Is there a 90 day waiting period, a trial period or um, probation period? Excuse me. That's the word I'm looking for. It's no, it's no big thing to do that. You can have that trial period, that trial period, as long as you let them know in advance, this is going to be a trial period. Yes, they will be paid during the trial period, but this trial period period gives a period for adjustment on their end. And it allows you to figure out and determine if this is going to be a good fit. So make sure you have that. And then of course you need to know about the application process, how are you going to pipeline these candidates? How are you going to gather the resumes? 
how are you going to keep a, a database of candidates? Because because there may be somebody that may not be a fit for this job, but down the line, it may be a fit for something else. You don't want to lose contact with those people. You have to figure out how to make yourself, make your company an employer of choice. You know, we're not all Coca-Cola and Nike and all these big companies where we can say by name recognition, people are just going to come flocking to these positions, especially if you're not paying like a Nike and a, a Costco and all these other places. And then finally, you need to figure out how you're going to train these people. What is their training period? Is there, do you have a documented process, which you should, that you can sit down with them? Are you going to train them? Is there someone else that's going to train them? Will they be able to sit in and get real-time training? Is it going to be video training? Are you going to put together online learning? You know, there's a whole lot of variables that go into that. And again, in the course, I talk a lot about different ways to onboard candidates and different ways to extend offers and make sure that you have their packages together and what training and career pathing and stuff like that. So it's a lot to it. So for those of you who are ready to hire, I would love to work with you if you are looking for just a, some help, some assistance. Um, feel free to email me at info at mobilechicks.com or you can give me a call. Uh, you can tweet me or Facebook me or whatever you want to do, reach out. But don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid of hiring and delegating out the work because we're not islands and there's no way you might be able to get six figures by yourself. You may be even maybe maybe even able to make it to seven, but you can't grow and scale as a company. And especially if you're looking for funding, the first thing that they're going to see besides the financials and, and your background, they're going to want to see what kind of team you have. Don't be afraid and don't let money or budget, because think about it like this. If you let money or budget stand in your way of hiring, then you're letting revenue slip out the door. I'm going to say it again. If you're letting budget stand in the way of you hiring, you're letting revenue slip out of the door. The people that you hire should be able to contribute to your bottom line one way or the other. So that's all I have for today. I hope that this is giving you some food for thought and I look forward to chatting with you later. If you have any comments, you can leave me some comments on Twitter, on Facebook, on our group. Uh, let me make an announcement that the Mogul Circle, those are for my seven figure and above sisters who are out there who are looking for a fabulous network and resource and deal flow. That is coming up on the 15th of July. And then we have the Maker Circle for my sisters that are making under a million dollars, six figures, mid six figures, high six figures, but haven't quite cracked that million dollar mark yet. So it's going to be an interesting time. It's going to be great resources. We have some excellent partners that we have collaborated with um, that I'm looking forward to bringing to you. And listen, nobody's going to give us the opportunity. So we have to make them. We have to create them when we can. And that's what I'm trying to do. We, we gonna do this, y'all. We have to, we, we cannot keep asking for a seat at the table. I am bringing not only the table and the chairs, but I'm building the building and I'm rounding up the blocks. So mogul chicks, I will see you another time. And what do I always say? Mogul chicks make mogul moves and power plays. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.